what a what an amazing thing. I told you before, we don't strategize when it comes to the special music and all that stuff. And they just sung a song, uh, All the Glory Be to Jesus' Name and His Alone. And uh, they had no idea what I was preaching on this morning. But if you would grab your Bible, go to Psalm 87. I guess the Holy Spirit knew, and I hope you were listening at least to the message of that song. I know you seem like you're a little tired this morning. I think it's not just me. So I'll try not to blow you out of the water, but um, I do think I might have a little preaching in me. We'll just see how it comes out. Let's go ahead and stand, if you would, Psalm 87. A psalm or song for the sons of Korah. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God, Selah. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this man was born there. And out of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for Lord, the week that you gave us. Thank you for the preaching that we heard. Thank you for the youth group that you've given to our church, Lord, you've entrusted us with. And God, I don't take it as a light responsibility at all. Uh, Lord, not just, not just to, to oversee and to pastor the youth group and all that, Father, camp and all the rest that goes on there, but uh, Lord, and I mean our kids at camp. I know I'm not responsible for the whole thing, but... You've given me a responsibility here in this church with this youth. And Lord, beyond that, we got a church family here. We got Sunday school kids. We got kids in the nursery. And we got individuals. We got singles. We got all kinds of people here, Lord. And it's not a light thing at all that you've done for us and that you are doing for us. Now, I pray this morning, Father, you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to be able to bring out of this chapter what I believe is in here for us uh, practically speaking and inspirationally speaking to our hearts. I pray that you'd fill me, Lord, and that you'd guide me and direct me and use me. Be with my thoughts, uh, be with my mouth, and bless your word to our hearts this morning. Break the bread of life for us, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to preach to you about giving glory to God. Specifically, kind of honing in on the thought of giving credit where credit is due. If you look at the passage in verse number 3, he says, Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God, Selah. The thing that caught my attention is that word, glorious things are spoken of thee. I got looking at that word glorious, and the first five times the word glorious shows up in your Bible or appears in your Bible, it's actually a reference to God himself. In Exodus 15.1, God triumphed gloriously over the enemies of Israel. In Exodus 15.6, the right hand of God has become glorious in power. In Exodus 15.11, He's glorious in holiness. In Exodus 15.21, He triumphed gloriously. In Deuteronomy 28.58, He says to fear this glorious and fearful name. When you start looking at the word glorious and, and glory throughout the Bible... God expects glory to be given to God. It's kind of heavy on my heart this morning because God has been blessing our church. There's no doubt about it. It's been an unbelievably fruitful season now for, I don't know, maybe a year. I mean, this is probably the lowest attendance we've seen in over a year. It's amazing to see what God has been doing and the souls that have been getting saved. And I'm super excited while I'm at camp and watching our kids get up and, and they sung one, one particular evening. And man, I was just sitting back there. My chest wanted to pop. It was just such a blessing to see 20 young people on the platform singing. And, and to see, I just never, honestly, I never thought that I'd see the day that we even have 20 kids in our youth group. That to me was just like, wow, a dream come true. That's just a huge youth group and I'm sitting there like man it's amazing what God has done I'm sitting there thinking about you know over 30 kids that aren't here because they're not youth group age yet what a responsibility what a blessing what a privilege I get the notice of commencement in my email inbox and the guy says as soon as you get back we got to sign this and we're ready to roll 
And I'm like, man, I cannot believe we're actually going to be breaking ground to add on to our church building because we desperately need that addition. And the problem is that that addition is not enough. (laughs) People are like, well, so is that going to change the seating in the sanctuary? Like, no, unfortunately, we're not doing that yet. I mean, to me, it's absolutely mind-boggling to see what God is doing. And and I'm very sobered and I'm very burdened because the reality is when you sit there and you see what God is doing, you can very easily begin to think that it's happening because you're something special. You can very easily begin to get that sense of pride, that sense of, well, I'm the pastor, or that sense of, well, it's because we do this, that, and the other thing. We're, we're so much more special. That competitive spirit towards the next church or the next guy and start thinking that these things are being done because of me. And that scares me half to death. Let me tell you something, my friend. Any glory for anything good that happens in anybody's life If you got good kids, and I believe we got some good kids. Let me just say this. I just spent a week with your kids, okay? I'm going to pop your bubble right now. And you and me, I just do the mama bear thing, the daddy bear thing. I don't even care. Your kids are not perfect. You know how I know that? Because I got kids. Mine ain't either. But guess what? I think, for the most part, in every one of them somewhere down deep, There is a desire to do right. I think we got some good kids. Let me tell you what that means. That means God has been really gracious. That means God is good. Listen, God's still good if your kids go wayward because statistically speaking, some of them probably will. The potential is definitely there to see some of them make some decisions that's going to break everybody's heart, especially mom and dad. The reality is some of them, statistically speaking, I would love to be the exception to the rule and get every single one of them through and see them married and serving Jesus Christ and raising their kids. I'd love to see some of those youth group's kids in our nurseries. I would love to be able to make that hospital visit, the baby's born, and have the privilege of holding some of your babies and saying, man, I watched your mom would grow up, I watched your daddy grow up, and when I hold them, I stand there and pray over them. Some of you that have seen me come to the hospital and visit your kids that aren't so little anymore, I was begging God while we were going, oh, the pastor thing, oh, they're so beautiful, thinking, man, I sure hope those wrinkles go away with time. Lord, forgive me for lying to mom. Not very many of them are beautiful when they're first born, if you haven't noticed. But I'm praying over them. I want to see God do something with them. I don't want to see the devil get them. And you invest and you work and you put the time in and you stay faithful and you stay in your Bible and you control yourself and you make it through the highs and you make it through the lows and God starts to do something with time. And then you start thinking it's you. You acquire some Bible knowledge as time goes on and the verses are coming off the top of your head and you're out there witnessing and you're talking to somebody and they're coming at you from different angles. You're like, I've seen this before and you know they're smarter than you and you know they're more educated than you and God's giving you answers and you're stumping them up. And you're like, man, I really know that Bible. And God's really taught me how to deal with people. I know how to answer them. I got it. Just bring it on. Let's go. You want to fight me on a doctrine? Come on. Bring it on. And you start thinking it's you. But let me ask you a question. Who in the world taught you the Bible? Who in the world gives you the ability to retain the knowledge? Listen, it's not because of us. All glory for anything good in my life or in my ministry goes to God Almighty. It does not go to me or to you. God don't share his glory with nobody. Notice something real interesting. The first time, go back to 2 Samuel 60, if you would, please. The first time the word glorious shows up in a negative uh, sense. 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to warn you about this. Because what had taken place is that David had gone out and had a great victory and God was in it. And David's rejoicing and all Israel is rejoicing because God's blessing is back on Israel and things are going real well and, and they're, they're, they're bringing back the ark of God into town and God's presence is there and God had moved. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 20. What did I say before? Huh? 
Second Kings. Just know what I mean, not what I said. We've been working with kids all week, so forgive that last statement. Second Samuel is my fault. Verse 6. Look at verse 20. <laughs> what? Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. What did I say, Brother Mike? Thank you, whoever said, he's tired. That sounded like a very motherly voice. That was you, wasn't it, sis? God bless you. You've always been so sweet. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 20. I think. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm going to read. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. She's mocking David for the way he behaved because he was glorifying God and she was a bitter, angry, wicked woman. And she's looking on because of her bitterness, because of stuff that happened in her past, and she's so defiled by it, she's focused on it, she's obsessing over it, that when God begins to move in somebody else's life, she's got to speak up against it. Look at it, look at verse 21, And David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father, and before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will yet be yet, yet be more vile than thus, and will be base in my own sight, and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of. You're so concerned about the maidservants looking at me. Of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. When she began to look at something somebody else was doing for God, and she began to mock them, and she began to criticize them, the fruit in her own life was cut off from that point until the day she died because she's looking at a man that's glorifying God and doing something for God, and instead of saying, well, praise the Lord, if that's how they want to do it and they're trying to get something done for God, then glory to God. I mean, if that's what God wants, that's his business, that's between him and God. She instead, because of her bitterness, began criticizing what somebody else is trying to do for God, and God said, find then, if that's the way you're going to be, you're worried more about your own image, you're worried more about your own self, and your own bitterness, and your own competition toward all the other women, I'll cut off your womb and you won't have a baby till the day you die. Because she wanted to focus on her own wounds, her own hurts, instead of saying, there, there's my husband, there's the king, and he's glorifying God because God's presence is here, well then, fine. I'll leave it alone. You better worry about, you better be real careful about messing with God's glory. And if you don't want to glorify God, don't you dare get in the way of somebody else who is because God won't put up with that. I mean, you make your own bed, you live your own life, you do what you want, but when somebody else is trying to move toward the Lord, don't you dare get in their way. You know, it's better for you to have a millstone be hung, tied around your neck and you be cast in the sea than for you to offend a little one. Go back to Psalm 87, if you would, please. I want to say this because it's on my heart and it's heavy. I think in a sense, and we'll see if it comes out the way I'm hoping it does, but I think in a sense this is almost like a, a breaking ground message for me. Now, we didn't set up any kind of an official thing of a, that kind of a ceremony deal. I think we'll probably do something when the construction is done and our first Sunday in with the new part of the building. I think we'll probably try to do something special that day. We'll see how it plays out. But I feel like this morning's message, I got that notice of commencement, and I feel like this morning's message is kind of to help you and I understand what this thing's all about. Notice the first thing in verse number one, his foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. What I want to say is this. There's a foundation to what it is we're doing here. I want you to understand that. I want every last one of you to understand that. You've got to get a hold of the fact 
that there's more going on when you walk into Bible Believers Church of South Lyon, and there has been more going on for 15 and a half years now than what might meet the eye when you first walk into church. This, listen, please hear me. This is the problem. Everybody has these preconceived notions about what church is. All of our preconceived notions aren't necessarily coming from the same place. Somebody that's never been in church, which is amazing how much of our church, if I just step back and in, in thinking and in praying about this message and looking this passage over, I started thinking individually and going through my mind of where you sit about the individual people in our church. We've got people here from United Methodist background. Like, when I say this, what I mean is, they went from that to this. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? United Methodist background. We have people that were Lutherans. Believe it or not, don't tell my Bible-believing friends this, because they don't think it's possible. We have Pentecostals. Charismatics. That believed in the sign gifts. That no longer do. They came here and learned why they don't believe that anymore. I'm their pastor. I've talked to them. God actually did that. I don't care what you think about it. God actually did that. I've had them say, man, I feel bad that I was led astray for so long. I didn't understand. I'm heartbroken about that. I sure hope that I'm not going to be judged by God for that. I mean, like literally burdened about. I was so off for so long. I, I feel bad. Hey, I'm like, hey, listen, I, don't, I really think God knows how to play catch up. Just give God what you got and let him do whatever he does at the judgment. But we have got people from so many different backgrounds. We have got a bunch of people from the non-denominational, no King James Bible, rock concert and song services, backgrounds in this church that came here from there. I'm talking about this is their first introduction to King James Bible, rightly dividing, old-fashioned preaching, hymn singing. This is their first introduction to that. We have atheists sitting, former atheists. (laughs) I'm tired this morning, all right? We have former atheists sitting in these pews that now are born-again Christians. We have Roman Catholics that went from the Catholic Church to this church. You understand that? You've got to understand that everybody comes from a different mindset. Some that believed in God but never went to church. They just lived life as an American, went through the Sunday morning, they slept in because they were sleeping off uh, Friday night and Saturday night and got to get to work on Monday. And we got people, it's amazing. And we also have some that are second generation, third generation. We got, we got more than one PK in this church. That's not a Reagan. (laughs) Independent, fundamental, King James Bible believing, rightly dividing background. You are sitting in the weirdest church in the world. (laughs) Because we got one common denominator. And I want you to understand this. When you come to this church... There is one common denominator that's the foundation of who and what we are. And as long as I'm the pastor with God Almighty giving me the strength and helping me, he will stay the foundation of this church. He will be the focus of this church. I won't be, and you won't be, and my family won't be, and your family won't be. Jesus Christ is the foundation that we're built on, and that's why we're here. And he was it from day one. When we started this church, I said, God, if you're calling me to start a church in South Lyon, Michigan, then I want you to do it. I want you to prove it. I am not going to market all the other saved people around here that I knew, know because I grew up in this area. There is at least five, maybe more. There is more. I'd say five independent, fundamental, King James Bible-believing churches within, within 45 minutes or 50 minutes of here right now. <gasps> don't tell them. Well, if you don't like me and you're not getting fed here, come see me. I'd rather you go to a Bible-believing church than get out of, out of church or in something that's not going to feed you. You know what I didn't want to do? I was reading my Bible. Paul said, I will not build on another man's foundation. I didn't want to build a church that was based off of stealing people from somebody else's church. 
to be honest with you, I was a little bit too far that way in the early days of this ministry. I was a little too far over on the left-hand side of that to the point where it was like people like, don't go to Reagan's church because if you're already saved and you already believe the Bible, you're not welcome there. Well, I don't feel that way anymore. But my ethics have not changed. I realize that God has taken people from my church and put them in another church because that's actually where they needed to be. Fine. I don't want one person to leave. Not one. Not one. And if God sends them here, then that's God's business, not mine and not the other preachers. I will be ethical and talk to them. But that's not my business. If you come here, if you're a part of this church, you need to understand that we're not like any other church. We're not trying to be like any other church. But we're not mavericks either. There are certain core values that are essential in this ministry. What I wanted from day one, I wanted the foundation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted God to use me to reach people that didn't know the Lord and get them saved, see God save them, and then disciple them and let God slowly but surely over time build a ministry. I was thinking last night, and we got home, and just my brain's running 24-7 on what I'm going to be preaching this morning and on the addition and all the rest of that stuff and spending a week with your kids and just my brain's just running. And I was thinking last night, if you do the math on it, in 15 years, a little less than 10 people a year. That's where we're at. Right around, right around 10. I mean, really, it's solidly at 10 because... The attendance versus the membership doesn't match, right? The membership is lower than the typical attendance or the amount of people that come. But you guys realize how little that is? That, that is like such small potatoes. Yeah, have you seen the contemporary churches around you? Have you seen the churches around you that made the foundation of that ministry you? The modern day church is all about the people in it. It's all about making sure that there really isn't any kind of a standard. It's just like, whatever makes you happy. We're going to plug you in. We're going to make it all about you. We're going to give you what you want. So what do the people want? The people don't want preaching. The people don't want authority. The people want music. So the church is centered around the music. And everybody gets to be a part of the music. Because it's about you. Hey, listen, that was never what the foundation of this thing was, and that's why we've averaged about 10 people, and I'm talking solid, a solid growth, 10 people a year. That is really such small potatoes, but to me, it is so invaluable. It means the world, it's like a tiny little gemstone that's worth millions of dollars because it was built on the right foundation. And the foundation, it ain't your preacher. Folks, I think... And I thought about this before I'm going to say it. I think I have never made it about me. And if you've ever gotten the impression that I did, I apologize to you. I have never wanted you to hero worship me. I've never marched around telling people you're going to call me pastor. I'm the man of God. You know, in the early days, I was Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. (laughs) Thanks, Terry. She's old enough to be my mom. You know what's funny to watch God do in our church? I never said a word. It went from Mike to Pastor Mike. Then it went from Pastor Mike to Pastor Reagan. And it's pastor and preacher. I never made it about me. You have just chosen on yourself to develop a culture that says we appreciate you and so we refer to you this way. Where did, where did you get that from me? I, it's not about me. You know, in all these years, I grew up in a Baptist church. My dad was a Baptist preacher. Talking about a foundation, right? And the churches I grew up in, it was like there was all this PK stuff. The preacher's kids, the PKs. You know, one of my kids came to me and said, I'm talking like recently. Dad, what's a PK? Man, I was like, man, I have done my job. (laughs) I will say the same thing about that that I say about my wife. She ain't the pastor's wife. Because if she's the pastor's wife, then if I leave or you fire me, she stays. She's our pastor's wife. No, she's my wife, bro. And I happen to be the pastor, so that makes her at this time the pastor's wife. But the concept is, she's my wife. 
She didn't get called to the ministry. I did. And she happened to fall in love with me and said, okay, if that's what God's doing with you, I'll go with you and back you up. They're not PKs. I appreciate you and I thank you with all my heart because my oldest is probably going to be gone in nine months. I thank you with all my heart for not being the kind of people that put this pressure on my daughters because their dad's a pastor to be anything other than human, like your kids are. You know how many PKs wind up bitter and frustrated and angry and rebellious because, well, sometimes us dads make the mistake of putting pressure on our kids because people are looking at them. I don't care what you think. That's my kid. And if they wind up backsliding on God and going off in the world, it's going to rip my guts out. But don't you dare say a word. That's none of your business. I care about my kid. I don't, I don't care about my image because it's not built on me. The thing ain't built on me. This church ain't built on me. God builds a church around a man, yes. And yes, churches do take on their pastor's personality, for sure. But listen, it ain't built on me. It's built on Jesus Christ. The foundation of this thing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're following him, he'll keep us together. He'll build us. He'll get some glory out of our lives. And that's what I want from my life and from this ministry is glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, folks, I know what I am. I hate all that stuff. I don't like getting a church that's always got to pamper people. I don't mean to be rough on you, and I love you, and I mean that from the depths of my soul. I was thinking about it this week. I love this church. I, I don't go to camp and compare your kids to anybody else's. I think we got a cool youth group. I like them. I like them all. I'm proud of them. I love what God's given me. I'm not comparing my family to yours. I could care less. Let me ask you daddies a question. Daddies, are you listening? If your little girl ain't the prettiest thing in the world, what is she to you? You love her, right? You could care less. You mamas, if your son ain't the best looking, smartest kid out there, does that matter to you? Or is that still your boy? You think about, I'm talking about a foundation. I'm talking about something solid. I'm talking about when we come to church, it's about Jesus Christ. It ain't about each other. It ain't about you and it ain't about me. It's about him. Go to, book, go to the book of 1 Corinthians, please. Chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Folks, we better keep the main thing, the main thing around here. Because if we don't, we're fixing to get ourselves into a mess and destroy everything God's done for us. And I'm telling you right now, there's a tremendous amount of potential in these young people. You guys hear me? I'm thinking about it. Andrew's sitting on the bench out there, and I got, pull in, and I see him sitting out there in his suit with a sharp tie on, and it's popping. He's going to get mad at me like he's like, you don't have to say nice stuff to me. I'm like, okay, chill out, bro. We're good. You are smart, whether you like it or not. Anyways, uh, I'm seeing him sitting over there, and I remember when he come in here as a teenager just out of high school. And he had a whole bunch of questions because he'd been in church his whole life. And he said, I've been sitting in the Christian school asking these questions and I couldn't answer these questions. You know what's pretty awesome to me? He's married. His wife's in church. She's working in the nursery. He's got little kids now that are four years old. I remember when he was, I remember sitting with him at Mongolian barbecue in Novi. And you know what I thought? I thought he is so smart and they've messed his head up so bad. There ain't much hope for him. Sorry, brother. And I got in the car and I remember driving home praying for him. And he's sitting out there, a married man, decade later with little kids in our church now. You know who did that? You know who did that? Jesus Christ did that. The King James Bible did that. He's some great pastor that did it. If your pastor, you appreciate him, it's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the foundation. 1 Corinthians 3, are you there? I probably told you to go to Chronicles or something, but I meant 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. Mom and dad, all you're doing for them is giving them a foundation. She'll be 20 years old in a couple of months and that's when she'll be gone. 
She got her whole... Sorry, honey, I'm not trying to embarrass you. She got her whole life ahead of her. I don't know what's coming. But I want to give my kid a good foundation so that she can get to work doing some things with her life. I'm trying to put some principles in her. I'm trying to teach her some truth. I've tried my best to help that kid get a grip on some things so she can figure it out between her and God and build something to the glory of God. All I'm doing is giving her a foundation. All I'm doing for you on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and we get a shot at your kids for one week at camp, one week a year. I mean, one stinking week out of 52, one week. We can't outdo and undo in one week the damage that a carnal parent does in 51 weeks. All we're trying to do is give them a foundation. And you got to build on that if you're wise. you got to take what's been given you and the light that God gives you and the preaching that God gives you in your local church and you got to say, I'm going to do something with what is said. I'm going to build on that foundation. But the foundation is not you and it's not me. It's not your opinions. It's not your skills. It's not your background. It's not your ability. It's not your brains. It's not your family. It's nothing that has anything to do with you. Amen. Billy Sunday lost his kids. To alcohol of all things. It ain't you. I don't care how great you are. It's him. I've laid a foundation and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see it? That's why I tell you the most important thing in the world is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we spent a week telling your kids, you have to learn to hear from God. You have to hear from God. You, you need a personal relationship with God. Here's how you do that. Here's what you need to focus on. Learn to hear from God. Look at the next verse. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones. You know, Jesse had a really good point. It was a blessing to see him developing in his preaching. It was a really good point. He showed you how to take the Old Testament and apply it to the New Testament, and how this Old Testament story applies to you in the New Testament. He said, we can't all bring a stone into pastor's office. And I said, why not? <laughs> you know what I would love to see? I th- honestly, I got this idea from Jesse. If you've been saved or your kid's been saved in this church... It doesn't have to be that I led you to Christ, but as a result of this ministry, since you came to this church, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I think it'd be super cool, cool for you to get me a little rock about the size of a fist and get a permanent marker and write your name on it. I'll, I'll stack them up in the office. I'll figure out a way to design it. We'll put a mason, have them put it in there. And just, I'd like to see in 10, 15, 20 years, I'd like to see a whole wall full of people that got saved in this church. I'm not saying you got to. I'm just saying if you really want to do something special for me. <laughs> I don't need money. You, you give me money every week when you tithe. You pay my bills. That would mean more to me than money. We're building on a foundation and we're trying to put some precious stones on there. And when, when your little kids get saved and you are in this church and you are in this ministry and they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's a little stone. And I like to see those stones getting built. I mean, man, it means the world to me. So Peck family, you get to lead the charge. We've got five stones coming, amen. It means the world to me. What are you building on that foundation? Those are precious stones. That's the people. That's your church family. That's that person across the room, Michael, that you're criticizing. That's that person across the room. They're trying to be sweet and just do something for God and trying to be a blessing and all you can do is bad mouth. Let me tell you something. You better be super careful because you'll be shocked at the way the devil knows how to bring what you say back around. You'll be, you be like, I didn't know they heard that. It's demonic. Those are precious stones sitting next to you. They mean something to God. I don't care if you like them or not, Michael. 
I'm sick of it. I've had it, man. I'm so full up of it with it. I, I can't even tell you how full up with it I am. I've been in church my whole life, and I've watched people that Jesus Christ washed in the blood and saved and changed their life, and he's the foundation of everything they got. And then once they got something, they just look around at other people, and all they can do is they're just Michael, just a critical spirit, just criticizing everybody else all the time. Aggravates the fire out of me, man. No, they're not perfect. But I know some of the stories in this room, so you better be real careful before you come to me criticizing somebody else because they're not the Christian you think they should be. Because they're one of the stones on that foundation, and they're a work in progress. But I might know where they come from, and you probably wouldn't be sitting where you are if you had their life. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You see that? God ain't caring about how fancy it is. He wants to see the quality. Are you doing what you do for Jesus Christ? What was your motive? Not your method. Methods are messed up. Everybody's got a messed up method. We're all messed up people. What was your motive? If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That thing is not talking about you losing your salvation. It's talking about God judging you for how you build on the foundation that he gave you. You're building on Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ, folks, is holy. Listen, you ain't going to be perfect in the process. I was thinking about this because one of the other preachers there said, Brother Reagan, you have got the most unique church of all the churches here. Your church is like totally unique. That was from another preacher to me. And he was very complimentary. He was in a great way. And I started thinking about that. And I did not say this to him. I'll say it to you. I started laughing because I'm like, yeah, it is. We lead these people to the Lord that just know nothing, right? They know nothing about the independent, fundamental, Baptist, King James Bible, rightly dividing, all that. Just nothing. Just local people that get saved. And you know how many of my converts have got saved and got all frothed up and then run out and get a tattoo of Jesus? <laughs> Look at the Bible verse, preacher! One guy come in Sunday morning, he's like, hey. Comes up to me, he's shaking my hand, he's going like this with his arm. And he's like, see it? I'm like, Kevin, he said, well, I got saved. I figured it. Now every time I go shake somebody's hands, I'll have a chance to witness. Like, Kevin, the brethren are going to crucify me if they know what a bunch of renegades you are. They think that you're supposed to, like, automatically know all this stuff. You don't automatically know all this stuff. Yeah, I guess if you've raised your kids in church and you were raised in church, then they're supposed to automatically know everything. But nowadays, man, people don't automatically know everything. They got to be taught some of this stuff. So what are you going to do? Like, I can't believe you got a Jesus tattoo. It's sure a whole lot better than the demon you had on the other arm. I mean, thank the Lord, you know. I mean, folks, I love it. You understand what I'm saying? I love it. The foundation is Jesus Christ. It's not perfect. This is not the perfect church. This will never be the perfect church. You will have a great opportunity. Stick around me long enough and it'll happen to get offended. And that will be the test of your foundation. That'll be the test of your motive. That'll check out why you came here in the first place. I will not be pampering everybody's feelings because I'll die young if I try. I've got to outlive some of you so I can help your kids and grandkids. If it's God's will. The foundation is Jesus Christ. We're trying to build on that foundation, but I will tell you, He does expect holiness out of us because He's the standard. Look at another passage with me, if you would, please. I want you to see Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look at verse 20. It says in Ephesians 2.20, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right? Paul wrote your Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. You're not a prophet, you're not an apostle, but you're built on the foundation of the Word of God. And what's the chief cornerstone thereof? 
It's right there in verse 20. You see who he is? You know what this is, man? This church is. This church is all about Jesus Christ. 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 And as a result of that motive, we love that Bible, believe that Bible, soak in that Bible, preach that Bible, believe that Bible, and conform to that Bible because that Bible tells you about Jesus Christ. So don't give me this, you're a bibliolater garbage. You're an idiot. How else do I know I got the right Jesus? Brother, uh, Brother Elliot was a bad influence on me this week. He said, man, the best thing about your message is you said idiot and moron. I'm so sick of people telling me I can't say that. He's a retired sailor, so what do you think's coming out of him? Amen. Idiot and moron is the cleaned up holy version. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 15. But as he that hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. You know what the Lord expects out of us, church? Holiness. You understand that, don't you? So where's the excuse for sin? You got no business as a born-again Christian living like the devil. Aren't you supposed to be like Jesus Christ? Didn't he save your soul? Don't you appreciate what he did for you? Isn't it because of him that you're here this morning? You'd be on your way to hell today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Most of you wouldn't still be married if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. A lot of us wouldn't even have the spouse or the children we have without Jesus Christ. He ought to be our obsession, being more like him. So when you're, well, is it really wrong to do that? Well, is it really right? Well, I just grew up around, I, I grew up around it too. More standards than you can find in the Bible. I was talking to a brother this week, man. I never met him before, Brother Stevens. I had never met him first time we ever met each other in our lives. And we hit it off. I felt like I knew the guy forever. I don't know. I'm willing to bet that we'll wind up developing a really good friendship over time. You know what's funny to me? There's a, probably about 10 or 12 years between me and Brother Stevens. And there's about 10 or 12 years between Brother Stevens and Brother Horton. And Brother Horton comes walking up to me. Hey, have you met that Stevens guy? I said, yeah, man, he is a cool cat, man. I mean, what? He didn't say cat. He's from Alabama. He said something like that. I really like him a lot. I said, man, I felt the same way. Yeah, I don't know what's funny. You're looking at an independent, fundamental, King James Bible-believing, rightly dividing Baptist preacher's kid. You know what he is? An independent, fundamental, rightly dividing Baptist preacher's kid. You know what Brother Stevens is? An independent, fundamental, King James Bible-believing, right-dividing, pastors, uh, uh, Baptist preacher's kid. You know what we all did? I mean, all three of us felt the same way. Really enjoyed talking to him. You know why? I'm from Detroit. You understand that? The Detroit metro area. He's from the backwoods of Alabama. He can look at a fish and it jumps out of the water into the boat. You understand what I mean? He looks at deer and they drop dead and then they're gutted, skinned, and in the freezer just like that. Oh, how long does it take you to do that? Oh, 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't know what he said. Something like that. It's crazy. This guy's from Minnesota. Or, uh, Minnesota? Yeah. <laughs> Born and raised up there. And we clicked. You know why? There's a foundation. And you know what the foundation is? It's Jesus Christ. And our dads built foundations in our lives. Go back to Psalm. I've got to get to my next point. This will be quick. Our dads built foundations in our life. And as a result of that foundation, no matter our differences, because I'm 100% sure there's differences, no matter our differences, something clicks, man. You're looking at Psalms 87, his foundations in the holy mountains. It's a holy place and the Lord loves to dwell there. Now you know this is Jerusalem and God still loves that property. 
And that's why in the book of Revelation, as we're going through it, you're going to see that the whole world turns on that place because there's a piece of property God sees as holy, and yet it becomes spiritually Sodom and Egypt, and the judgment of God falls in the tribulation period, just about wipes him out and turns back. Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on that property. So I don't give a flip what the modern-day politicians say and the news media says and all the rest of that stuff. That property belongs to God. And God gave it to His people, and they're going to get everything God gave them because it's a holy place. Now, you already got the application because I'm pretty sure I've already beat it half to death. The application is, this property belongs to God. It's built on Jesus Christ. Well, the church isn't the property. I know, but this is the property God gave the Bible Believers Church of South Lyon for us to meet in. And He's fixing to bless us and has blessed us to the point where we've got to expand the building. And that's because God's good. And that's all there is to it. And it's His place. And He loves a place that's holy and set apart to His name and to His Son. And that's what this thing is about. And by the grace of God, that's what it will always be about. Notice the friendships. Look at verses uh, 4 through 6. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This man was born there. And out of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall bless her, and so shall establish her, and the Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. Confused yet? Me too. Actually, nobody yet has clearly expounded who this man and that man are. My guess is, and I'm going to make a spiritual application for you, and I'm going to give you a guess. My guess is there's two different men being talked about. Because in verse number 4, when you look at Rahab and Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, and Ethiopia, and you run the references throughout the Bible that we don't have time for, there's a connection there to the Antichrist. (laughs) That's weird, huh? Ain't he in the tribulation period going to go in there and sit down in the temple and say that he's God and offer, offer a pig on the altar? And offer the souls of people that are following Jesus Christ in the tribulation period on the altar. But that's not the only one. Because it says, And out of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. Well, who's that? That's Jesus Christ. He's going to rule in Jerusalem. So I think you got both. And here's the application. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you've got that foundation, but with your life, you're building friendships. And you have the opportunity to build what friendships you want. I can very quickly figure out who's who when you get a bunch of youth together. Because you'll watch somebody you think is just all that in a bag of chips, and you just see exactly where they gravitate when it comes to their friends. We talked already about holiness, right, Mom and Dad? You ought to expect some holiness out of your kids. And you ought to never encourage your kids to hang around with worldly kids that think about and care about the things of the world. You better be real careful, mom and dad, about the standards that you set. Because listen to me. Listen to me, please. Please listen to me. More is caught than taught. This don't do as I do, do as I don't do as I don't do as I do, do as I say is stupidity. That'll never happen. You want your kids, you're going to want your kids to be faithful to church when they got your grandkids in tow. Well, then you better be. You don't want your kids to wind up drunks. So you better be careful. Because fools make a mock at sin, and you better be real careful about letting your kids associate with and be friends with kids who believe it's okay to drink. Why is that your friend? Well, I'm not drinking with them. Their foundation is wrong. What do you think is going to happen? Evil communication corrupts good manners. If you care about those kids, you better make sure you're on the right foundation and you better make sure they're making the right friends. It gets kind of quiet sometimes when I preach. Some preachers think that means that the Lord's gone. I think it means the Holy Spirit's moving. What kind of friendships are you making? Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
Now listen to me. If this is your church and you think God wants you here, then you've got to understand, I will not back off. I'm not calling you out. I promise you I'm not. I'm not being mean to you right now. I'm not being hard on you right now. I don't think any of you want me to back off as far as I know. Can I get an amen, please? <laughs> I'm begging for one. I, by the grace and help of God, will not back off. This world is after your kids. They're brainwashing your kids. They're desensitizing your kids. I don't think homosexuality is funny, let alone okay. God says it's an abomination. There's lying dogs putting stuff in your kids' heads that's demonic. I believe alcohol is destructive, warned against, and preached against in the Word of God. I think marijuana, I don't care if they make it legal or not, it is a drug. Do you understand that? And when you alter your state of mind, you open yourself up to the devil. I don't think it's okay. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's cool. I think you're an idiot if you smoke it. It's medicinal. They got drugs for all that stuff and they've had them a long time. You don't need dope for it. Sorry. Why do you think Brother Hicks says the vast majority of the people on the street strung out and almost dead in their 30s, literally, literally moving like they're 70 years old because of the diseases that are ravaging their body and the effects on their insulin, on their spleen, on their pancreas, on their heart, on their brain is so bad that by the time they're 38, you think they're 58. Why do you think he says most of them are born-again Christians? I thought, he's crazy. I thought, that's crazy. I just, I can't I'm not imagine that. He said, preach messages like you're preaching to save people about getting right and get the gospel in at the end. And I'm like, I've never done that before. So here I am thrown under the bus trying to like scramble at the last second. I went prepared to street preach, which is scream verses on salvation. He's like, no, 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 we preach a message. I'm like, okay. Never done that before. And then I tried it out. Made eye contact with the one guy. Said, some of you got a grandma praying for you right now and you're born again on your way to heaven. Your grandma's been praying for you for you. He stopped and turned and looked at me like that and just like stared at me like. And then stopped and leaned up against the fence and got his buddies to do the same thing. I couldn't believe the response. I'm like, that old man knows what he's talking about. They had a good foundation you got to understand that when the devil comes after save kids, he comes after them to destroy their life and God will give them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of Christ Jesus. If you could spiritually see what's going on, you'd lose your cotton-picking mind. And then you think it's funny that your kids hang out with the wrong kind of people or joke about the wrong kind of stuff or talk about the wrong kind of stuff. Okay. Okay, it's your life. I'm not going to become a dictator. I'm not going to get in your business. I'm not going to start making standards for everybody that you have to adhere to to be a part of this church. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not turning this into that. And I'm not backing off either. So sit there and get as mad as you want. But I'm not stopping because I care too much about what God's doing and what God's been doing. I care too much about those kids down there in the nurseries and about the kids in the Sunday schools that come. We are shaking the ceiling, Pastor. You're going to scare the kids. They don't seem to be that scared of me anymore. I care too much about what God's doing. And I'm telling you, God has to get glory. And God cannot get glory out of people that are friends with the world, making deals with the world, compromising with the world. Yes, they may come after you, but dang, if that glorifies God, then let him come. We're going to stand for what we believe. And we're going to fight for our kids. And we're going to fight for this ministry. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, please forgive me. I'm not trying to be a tough guy. Please, some of you older folks especially, please be gracious to me this morning. I am telling you right now, I will fight to the absolute death for what God's given us here. Because I love you and I care. You say, why is he on a rant? Something go bad at camp? No. 
No, I just got a vision for the future of these kids, and I realized at camp how much all of our kids are impacted in their personal walk with Jesus Christ because they're so brainwashed by the world, their minds are so distracted by technology that we're losing it, we're slipping, and we don't know we're slipping. And the devil wants to get in there. He's so subtle, we don't even see him coming, and then we wonder in 10 years why our kids are off in left field. I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I'm going to give you my last point. Two minutes and we'll be done. Since she first said, honey, I'm pregnant. And then miscarried the first baby. And then, honey, I'm pregnant. And Anna came. I have prayed since that day before she was born, before she was conceived, that God would get a hold of my children that God would help them to grow up to love and serve Jesus Christ. That God would give them a man, because they're all girls, just so you know. That God would give them a man that loved the Lord Jesus Christ, believed the King James Bible and rightly divided it, and loved Jesus more than he loves my daughter. That standard for me, I didn't ask for nothing else. I didn't even ask them to be in Michigan. I would rather them be somewhere across the world in a third world country in danger physically than to be in my backyard or my neighborhood showing up at my house with the grandkids and some jerk that doesn't love the Lord, doesn't believe the Bible, some punk having shots of tequila on the weekend and sitting in a contemporary church on Sunday morning. I would much rather... I would much rather God take them around the world but them have Jesus Christ and their husband have Jesus Christ and that foundation and that friendship be the Lord than anything else in the world. Look at verse 7. We're done. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. You know why we should glorify God? Because he's the foundation. Because he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you've got Jesus Christ, you've got everything you need to get you through no matter what happens to you in life. And because he is a fountain. Folks, he is a fountain. We're going to break ground to add on to that thing so you all can go to the bathroom and all that stuff and I think there's a drinking fountain going in. <laughs> What's, why? What, what is the point? Why are we getting ourselves into debt and going to have to pay this off? And Why are we going to make ourselves so uncomfortable for three months and have to use these little things over here and be all cramped in them? And Why? Because God's doing something for us. And God's opened up that door and I'm 100% sure we're following Jesus Christ to make this move or I wouldn't have led you that direction. I'm 100% sure it's time. It's not because we're so great. Why do we take so many kids down to camp? I mean, we're stressed because he's like, preacher, we don't have enough room. And we got the bus and the van, but what are we going to do next year? Here's how many we got coming in. <laughs> I don't know. We'll worry about next year, next year. Just back off of me right now. Well, God will provide because God's in it. But you know what it's all about? It's all about his glorious name. He is glorious because he's a foundation that you can build your life on and your church on. He is glorious, folks, because he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So please, I'm begging you this morning, make sure you're close to your friend and you got the right one. And he is wonderful because he is a fountain, folks. I am telling you, when you start getting that fresh flow in your soul, of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and your walk with Him, as that fountain keeps bubbling up like a natural spring, what it does is it pushes all the garbage out of you. Because do, do you guys realize how much garbage you get full of? Go to camp next year, next, year, next year. Take a whole week and disconnect from your phone and then come tell me how clean and holy and wonderful you are. Folks, we naturally get full of garbage. Critical spirit, gossiping spirit, judgmental spirit, self-righteous spirit. 
God forbid you, you get your kids back from camp and you're making fun of the youth leaders and you're making fun of the preacher and the preacher's wife. and God forbid you... Come on. Just that, that critical... I'm not saying anybody is. I'm just saying I was talking to other preachers about what happens at youth camp and what they've dealt with over the years. And you probably aren't that much different than everybody else because you're as human as they are. All that dirt starts building up with time. You know what you need? You need a fresh fountain of the Spirit of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ bubbling up from inside of you and it just washes all that out. All the hurts, all the pain, all the things that get in the way. And what happens is you begin to glorify God and you're singing unto Him. And you're, I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. I stand back there next to Kasich. Sorry, brother. And he's singing the hymns and I'm like, he sounds horrible. That guy has never, do not ask me to do a solo. I don't care how much you, do not do it. You know what I'm really thinking? I remember when he got saved in one of those stones. And it is such a blessing to hear him singing. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. And he's been through some ups and downs and he's still here and he's growing. You know what that sound is to God? That's a sweet sound to God. You know why? Because it glorifies Him. I know you can probably outdo Him. You can sing better. You're definitely better looking. Just kidding, Dan. But you might not be anywhere near as glorifying to God. You see, it glorifies God when that fountain is flowing in your soul and you just are all about Him because it's just about Him. He washes it out. You guys remember the story in the book of Acts when Herod gets up and makes a great oration and the people hear his speech? Remember that? And immediately, God strikes him with worms and he dies. That's a strange thing, man. I said, man, am I memory right? I got to look that. I looked it up and read it to make sure my memory was right. He got filled with worms and dies on the spot. Because when they said it's the voice of a God, not a man, and he gave a great oration, that's a great illustration of a preacher, that's everybody's favorite preacher. He gives a great oration, and they're all responding to this great talk that he just gave. And he thought, man, I am good. Look at my work. He took God's glory for what God was going to do. And God said, Bam! Just like that. Those worms represent all that critical spirit, all that sinful pride, all the rest of whatever it is that's in your head that's getting in the way of you giving glory to God. Let's bow our heads, if you would, this morning. Close our eyes. Let's go ahead and stand to your feet as the pianist comes. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is your